My mother would always point out to the sweeper, to the fruit sellers, to the villagers in India where I was raised, um, and remark on how amazing their bodies were, how they could squat and do uh, carry enormous loads and have no physical discomfort. And she, as a Dutch person, was very struck by that and passed on those observations to her children. Welcome to Push To Be More with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, this is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work. And to help us do just that today, I'm chatting with Esther Gokhale from Gokhale Method Enterprise about where she has had to push through, what she does to recharge her batteries, as well as what more looks like for her. Now the show notes and the transcript from our conversation will be available on our website, pushtobemore.com. And whilst you're there on our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter. And each week we will email you these links along with the notes and the transcript from the show automatically, they come direct to your inbox. So you don't have to do anything, it's just there, it's amazing. So go sign up for that. Now this episode is brought to you by Orion Media, which helps entrepreneurs and business leaders set up and run their own successful podcast. You know what? I have found running my own podcast to be insanely rewarding. It opens doors to amazing people like nothing I have seen. I have built networks, made friends, had a platform to champion my customers, my team and my suppliers. The list of positives just keeps growing. And I think just about every entrepreneur or business leader should have their own podcast just because of the huge implication it's had on mine. Now, of course, this sounds great in theory, but in reality, there's the whole problem of setup, distribution, strategy, marketing, the list goes on. You see, I love talking to people. I genuinely do, it's great. Uh, but I'm not a big fan of all the other stuff. So Orion Media, they kind of take all of that off my plate. I get to do what I'm good at and they brilliantly take care of the rest. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. And we will, of course, have a link to them on the website as well. Now, that is today's show sponsor. So let's talk about today's guest, Esther Gokhale, who is a pioneer in posture education and pain relief. Esther transformed her own experience with crippling back pain into the Gokhale method, a unique system that restores your body's primal posture to eliminate pain and enhance strength. Growing up in India, her journey started with helping her nurse uh, mother care for abandoned babies, leading her to study biochemistry at the prestigious institution like Harvard and Princeton, and later acupuncture in San Francisco. The turning point came for Esther uh, when she suffered from severe back pain during her first pregnancy. After a very unsuccessful surgery, she dedicated her life to finding a solution to back pain which sounds like a very noble pursuit, uh, as I'm sure we can all attest to. Her pursuits have taken her across the globe, from the streets of Paris to the communities of Brazil and India, and now we have the Go Clay Method. She has a best-selling book, Eight Steps to Back-Free Pain, which has sold over 30,000, uh, or has reached over 30,000, uh, 300,000, get your numbers right, Matt, uh, readers worldwide. Uh, she's shared her wisdom on stages like TEDx, and she is known as the 
Posture Guru of Silicon Valley, which sounds like a pretty fancy title to me. Esther, this is an amazing bio. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully. Thank you. Oh, good. Good. It's great that you're here. Now, are you still in San Francisco? Is that where you're hailing from today? I'm in Palo Alto, closer to the Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. Closer to the Apple HQ, as far as I know. (laughs) That's how I do my geography. uh, It's where all the big tech companies are. Um, But uh, it's great. I mean, that's a a fascinating journey, isn't it? And um, we're going to get into all of that. But Esther, let me start with my my favorite question that I love to ask guests. This show, as you know, is sponsored by Orion Media, which specializes in helping people set up and host their own podcast. If you had your own podcast and you could have any guest on the show, past or present, that's had a big influence on your life, who would you have on the show? Who would you like to interview and why? There's a a flamenco dancer called Carmen Amaya. She died when she was 50. She was an amazing example of healthy posture and having a technical skill to an exalted degree. Mm. And she had a, a, a disease that would ordinarily have killed her decades earlier, mm. but because of her form and her persistence and her activity level, she managed to keep that kidney disease at bay until um, it caught up with her at age 50 and then she died. But, you know, she was a, she lived the gypsy lifestyle, the real gypsy lifestyle. She mm. was dead to her or she um, developed skills that are just unbelievable. And I'm just very curious about how her life would have been and how much she was aware of her mm. form, how much just came through the tradition that she was raised in. Um, and I'd love, to, I mean, I'm curious about everything about her. She's <laughs> so special. So I so a, a flamenco dancer um, is, is, it's not the usual answer, Esther. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's quite, so why a flamenco dancer? Is this some, is this, uh, is it just purely because of her posturing your work with posture? Or do you do this kind of dancing yourself? Is there a passion there? And what's the link? So I have discovered dance to be the best possible way to revisit posture. You know, okay. Here's a first pass at learning how to do everyday life activities, sitting, standing, bending, lifting, walking, lying in improved ways. And then you need to revisit those principles. You need to keep in mind how to keep the back elongated, how to uh, have the feet shaped just so, how to externally rotate the legs, how to have the pelvis antiverted. And there are only so many sitting lessons or standing lessons I would want to subject anybody to. (laughs) We look for more interesting ways that will do the job of working mm. as reminders and integrating the principles into one's body, but then provide other benefits and keep it entertaining so that, you know, so you, you learn dance, you, it's happy making, uh, you connect with other people. We have daily dance parties in our company. Oh, wow. Line, um, and it's formed community. It's mm. joyful. 
So, you know, I think dance is just a very, very special way that we happen to use as a reminder system mm-hmm. to revisit all these techniques that we teach people that help them be out of pain. Mm. So it's entertaining, it's educational, it deepens. And so that's one reason I choose Carmen, mm-hmm. who is an amazing dancer. But also the, the particular method that we use is based on observation of people in indigenous cultures, people who live close to the ground, people who have traditions intact that have kept this kinesthetic wisdom from olden times yeah. in place. You know, things get mm-hmm. handed down the way the grandfather bends in the field, the way grandmother holds baby, um, influences the following generations. And that's how this kinesthetic wisdom that gets mm. passed up. She was very much part of such a tradition. So that's an additional reason. And it's a particularly interesting tradition, mm. the gypsy tradition and how they live life, what, what they hold dear, um, what influences them, mm. you know, that. Gypsies originally came from my neck of the woods on the planet. They came from Rajasthan in India. Mm-hmm. As my dad is Indian and I grew up in India. So looking for links with that very ancient culture is also of interest to me. So mm-hmm. we have a lot. Uh, that sounds fascinating. So the, you, you look at indigenous uh, cultures around the world and you're curious about how they do things and what's been passed down for generations of people. I'm assuming then, uh, Esther, just on that statement, and correct me if I'm wrong, that maybe in the West we have lost that kinesthetic ideal which you talked about, which is why you have to go to these indigenous cultures. Is that a fair comment? That's very fair comment, and it's reflected in extremely high rates of back pain, uh, knee arthritis, foot problems, musculoskeletal problems, and also other kinds of problems. But we have an 85% incidence of back pain in the mm. modern West. Wow. And that's vastly more than it used to be. Yeah. And it's vastly more than it is in some cultures that are yeah. getting harder and harder to locate, you know, that are being... Yeah swept up into the modern uh, way of doing things. Um, So yes, it's a very fair comment. They have traditions intact in some parts of the world that are in common with what our ancestors experienced. And you can also observe these ways of conducting the body in very young children Mm. where they become culturated. Culturated is a great word, yeah. So the... I guess everyone listening to this podcast, I, I'm not saying everyone, I'm going to make some sweeping generalizations here. So forgive me, dear listener, if, if, um, if I'm making some stereotypes. But I'm going to assume that most of us are involved in some kind of business, leadership, entrepreneurship, uh, just from knowing the audience. And in my head, that means we sit down a lot uh, at a desk, at a computer. So I don't know if you can actually tell us, but what kind of things would we be doing wrong uh, as we sit down at the office, because, you know, we, we, we all buy the expensive chairs with the lumbar support, but I figure that's not enough. It's not only not enough, it's actually counterproductive. 
So, <laughs> right, I'm just going to throw this chair away. Excuse me. <laughs> you know, maybe it's just one. You may just join a very large gang of people who park their fancy ergonomic chairs in somewhere in a back corner of their office mm -hmm. and switch them out for something much more sound. Mm -hmm. So all the er modern ergonomic chairs are based on a paradigm that describes the human spine as being S-shaped. Yes. Yeah. Our lumbar support then is designed to support or create a lumbar curve all mm -hmm. through our spine. Now, if you go back in time, about 100 years or more, and you look at old anatomy books, then you're going to see a very differently shaped spine. I've coined the phrase J-spine. So J-shaped as opposed to S-shaped mm -hmm. has much more curvature where the bottom meets the back mm -hmm. and much less curvature, almost no curvature in the upper lumbar area. And I claim that that J-shaped spine makes a lot more sense, mm. honors the discs, the cylindrical discs in the lumbar area with the cylindrical home, mm. you know, and tebral yeah. space to fit properly into. It honors the vertebrae by lining them up and providing pressure to the body of the bones, which prevents osteoporosis, rather than jamming the edges together in exaggerated curves, mm. which still lend towards arthritic changes. You know, so people end up with stenosis and hypertrophic lipping and all kinds of arthritic changes mm. in their spines by the time they're 50 and degeneration in the discs. And it's so common that we have taken to just calling it normal. Right. But that's not really fair. If mm. we go in time, we can see that our genetic heritage is perfectly adequate and that we could be um, differently stacked yeah. and enjoying much higher level of spinal health. And then we wouldn't be tempted into dealing with all this plethora of problems that we don't know how to deal with by calling them normal and just, you know, throwing yeah. in a bill or two. Yeah. Um, yeah. This whole business about sitting being so bad for us is another thing I challenge. You know, there have been studies done on indigenous people, the Hadza people in East Africa in particular. Mm -hmm that show from using sensors on their body that they sit as much as we do, an average of nine hours a day. Mm -hmm. But they sit differently than we do. Okay. And they don't have the problems we have. And I claim that it's their, the shape of their spine um, that they conserve through yeah. the sitting. Now, their sitting is different. You know, every culture has different ways of, of sitting, bending, squatting, mm. so on. But in, they don't have problems. We do in great abundance. I don't think we need to buy into this notion that it's just natural and that it, we blame sitting. Now, in our culture, if you don't sit, you probably have to earn your living doing something very active, manual mm. labor or so. And it turns out the manual laborers have a much higher incidence of back pain than sedentary people. Right. So it's really not fair to blame sitting. Yeah. 
sounds kind of like a nice sticky sound bite to say <laughs> but good to have a bad guy so how fun. how should a, how should one sit then so we like to start people out by teaching the technique of stretch sitting mm. where you're literally in traction as you lengthen your back and hook your back to a backrest and Usually you need to modify the backrest a little bit. We have a little cushion, stretch it cushion. Mm -hmm. It has sticky nubs sewn into it so that you can easily hook your skin or your shirt can hook to those sticky nubs. And now your body from that point down is in traction. Traction. That's very, very handy. It's gentle traction. It's potentially hours of traction because we do a lot of sitting mm-hmm. and that can have a very wonderful reset effect on mm. the muscle at the back. It can ease the vertebrae apart and allow the discs to rehydrate, mm. create enough room for the nerves to exit between the pairs of vertebrae. So it's just an easy, low-hanging, juicy fruit mm. that you all want to pick. You know, just yeah. transform your backrest into something that can boost you and give you a little bit yeah. more length instead of just blaming sitting and calling it the new smoking and whatever. <laughs> well, no, well, I like that. I'm not going to get me one of those because I sit a lot. And so, um, uh, yeah, anything I can do to help my back. I remember yeah. years ago, um, I say years ago, it must have been 10, 15 years ago, um, I was having quite a lot of back pain and I... I don't know how I came across it. I came across um, an article on the web talking about inversion tables. Yeah. And so I, I bought one of those and I used it for like, I want to say 30 days. It wasn't a long time. And I've never had the problems that I had at that point since. And I, I don't know. I, it's that traction, I guess, that you're talking about. So traction is totally the right idea. And if you had some event, some acute event that made the muscle spasm or so, then maybe an inversion table would reset that and you'd be in good shape. Mm. For most people, it's much more, the problem is deeper. They have systematically been arching their back, often in the effort to sit up straight or stand up straight and they thrust the chest and contract the back. And that's what causes compression in the discs Mm. and the arms and so on. So just spending 30 days on an inversion table isn't going to turn that around so we to teach people a much easier simpler less expensive less intrusive way of getting traction traction is the right idea to Mm. begin one's journey back to a healthy natural back but an inversion table how long can can you know like 10 15 minutes and then what for most people that's not going to be enough Mm -hmm. so it's the idea wrong extent Okay. You want hours of traction and you'd like it to be gentle. You'd like it to be in the background. You'd like to get it without taking time out mm. of your life. And there are two low-hanging juicy fruit for that. That is the okay. time you sitting mm-hmm. and the time and lying down at night. You can okay. harness time too to get traction if you know mm. the right techniques. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I'm getting very excited. Uh, And um, I mean, we said in the bio that this whole thing started for you 
um, because of pain from your first pregnancy. Is that right? That's correct. It was in the ninth month of pregnancy that I started having sciatic pain down my left leg. Mm-hmm. It, um, it quickly became unbearable. I was originally told that oh, maybe the baby is sitting on the nerve nerves and after the delivery it'll be better it wasn't it got worse and worse and i was trying all the usual conservative and alternative things and it just continued getting worse and around a year after my baby's birth i ended up getting surgery very reluctantly because uh, i was only in my mid-20s and i Mm. was a bit of shock to my system that i would you know, have have such a serious problem, but nothing was working. I wasn't able to sleep at night because of the pain. I didn't want mm. to take meds because I was nursing my baby, but I was trying all the usual physical therapy, chiropractic, acupuncture, stretching, yeah. strengthening, etc., and just not getting anywhere. And the surgery helped, but a year after, I had the same disc, L5S1, re-herniate, and now they wanted to offer me another surgery. So as far as I was concerned, surgery had failed and Mm. multiple back surgeries in your mid-20s doesn't bode well at the late part of your life. So it was was a very big shock to my system and I was casting an ever wider net. And um, the the things that made most... most sense to me were things that work on your own structure rather than looking for yet another band-aid fix. Yeah, yeah. It's uh and and I was very influenced by my childhood. My mother would always point out to the sweeper, to the fruit sellers, to the villagers in India where I was raised, um, and remark on how amazing their bodies were, how they could squat and do carry enormous loads and have Mm -hmm. no physical discomfort and she as a dutch person was very struck by that and passed on those observations to her children and so when i got in trouble with my back the things that resonated for me were things that similarly observed people who don't have problems with their Mm -hmm. back have pain what are they doing differently how can I copy those things? And could I enjoy the same high level of function and lack of pain? And that avenue made sense. I pursued that um, with quite some motivation. I was my own guinea pig. And then that was very fruitful. And the thing that I've worked on for the last several decades decades is how to make that process more efficient, more mm. effective, more sustainable. How do you, you know, like most people are not willing to spend years um, observing and sort of kinesthetically trying to em- imitate. So we've discovered ways that are incredibly mm. rapid um, using images, using technology, using the intellect, using um, arguments uh, and hands-on and yeah. you know it's, it's it's a whole methodology that is really a treat to be able to pass on to people mm-hmm. you know yeah. more than no. half or 
students will use the word life-changing spontaneously mm. um, on about what they learned in a weekend. Or, so it's very yeah. cool. I imagine it is, especially if you're dealing with chronic back pain, which I imagine quite a lot of people are. Um, a lot of people are, and they've even given up looking for solutions because they've tried yeah. so many things, and maybe they helped a little bit for a while, helped at the margins. So there are a lot of people in the woodwork that haven't, aren't even actively looking anymore because they've hoped and had their hopes dashed. And that roller coaster of being hopeful and then having your hopes dashed is very emotionally costly. So mm. people are kind of given up and we're being told that it's normal to have some degree of back pain. It's normal to have degenerated discs. It's normal to have arthritic changes in the spine. So people have kind of adjusted down, you know, their expectations yeah. are very low. So one of our challenges in, the, in, the, in our company with all our teachers around the world is to encourage people to hope, to dare to hope. Yeah, dare to dream, right? Yeah. So, the, so this method then, um, this company that you've built up, um, sort of testing, refining, teaching, testing, refining, teaching, you know, the, 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 the techniques that you have to help people um, with their backs. What's your, in, sorry? Inventing, inventing as well, you know, always yeah. looking for new ways. We use, we use sensors and wearables to help people know what's going on in their back, to learn faster. You mm -hmm. know, we're just constantly innovating. Yeah, keep pushing the boundaries. Have you? I mean, how's your business journey been? I mean, you know, uh, is it um, is it like your posture good, or has it you know gone through a few S curves, if I can put it that way? Have you found it being both, um, a, you know, a mum with back pain trying to solve her own problem, but also trying to build a company uh, at the same time, which teaches this to to the world. Yeah, it's, you know, I had no background in business whatsoever. And I was fortunate to be able to build it organically. Mm. I, have, um, I have never had to borrow. Mm -hmm. um, and I've just, the, the pace of innovation has kept it slow. Like, you know, it, it's a very intuitive process. What order do you introduce things in? Like what images work, what metaphors work, uh, what technology, what email reminder mm. need to be sent out, you know, what yeah. kind of reminder program are people going to be uh, attracted to that does the job of keeping yeah. the techniques on their radar rather than fading away. Um, so it's been a constant search and these little puzzles take time to solve and i've been able to get enough revenue in the door to keep afloat so we keep um raising the the visibility raising the number of employees that work in the company as we mm -hmm. uh, figure out more things along the way we've developed uh, uh, less than a dozen products. It's never been a very product-heavy uh, company. And I've had the luxury of not needing uh, to be profit-driven. So mm -hmm. we've been able to be quite 
conscientious about uh, just putting efforts into what works. And, you know, we've, we've never had a marketing professional, the total, like six as well, we've, and, you know, that's a missing piece in the company. We've put it all into better ways to learn. And mm-hmm. we've had three of being able to do that. Um, somewhere along the way, we've attracted the chief of physical medicine and rehab of a major teaching university. And this month, we're actually beginning with a randomized controlled trial, comparing the GoClay method with physical therapy for effectiveness. Oh, wow. Very exciting. Yeah, yeah we yeah. met, raised 350000 in donations so that the study could happen. That was wow. just me pulling up past students, and a lot of them wanted to see the kind of benefits that they had experienced extended further to other people. So very organic, very fortunate, Mm. and it's just flowed like that. Well, that's an amazing testimony where you've got um, this opportunity to do a a trial, you know, with a a large university and and kind of go, right, we need some funds for that. Uh, and you just call up some past students, they go, yeah, we're going to throw some money into this because it's so good. They've obviously, they've experienced it, it's transformed them, but they, more importantly, it sounds like they are still experiencing the benefits of what you've taught them, right? So this is, it sounds to me like um, it's not a flash in the pan kind of a thing or something you have to keep coming back to. Uh, have I got that right? You, you know, it's a root solution, root cause approach. We're getting... Mm what I believe is the root cause of most back pain, which is that people don't have good alignment. And then once they understand that and they implement it, and then the pain doesn't come back. So Mm. yeah, Um, people are very, very like, yeah, they find it transformative. They find it life-changing. It truly Mm. is. You know, it's so, so how do you feel then, Esther? I mean, you, you've got this business, you're reaching um, people, people are being very generous with their funds so you can do some more trials. Um, you, you've got people saying to you things like you use the phrase life changing. But how does that make you feel? Because you strike me as quite a humble person who wouldn't, um, who who is not necessarily self-seeking in any way. And so... When you hear comments like that, I'm just kind of curious, what's your response to that? Well, <laughs> to tell you the truth, it creates a little bit of impatience. Okay. I think this, this approach needs to be mainstream. It needs mm. to be much more widespread. You know, we've, yeah, we've sold 300,000 copies of the book. I'm supposed to be happy with that, but I know how many hundreds of millions of people are suffering with this problem. So it's mm-hmm. just a very tiny percentage of people who need it. And so uh, we, ha- we have an easier time getting donations than we have reaching new people. You know, wow. it's like once people have experienced our work, yeah. they're really, really keen. Mm. And people will often say, oh, I wish I had known about this 10 years earlier. And but to reach entirely new people takes a set of skills, you know, that we haven't really mastered. So uh, maybe one day we will. 
<laughs> just put that next on the list of you know things to solve uh, next on the list so it strikes me that um you see i sell um esther one of the products i sell i have it in front of me uh is uh, omega-3 so this is one of the supplements we sell on our store you can't see that because the camera's not focusing there we go so this is um, Omega-3. It's an Omega-3 capsule that is vegan certified. There are all kinds of great stories behind this product. The thing about this product, Esther, is if somebody wants to buy Omega-3, the chances are they're going to take the product and they're going to want to buy it again and again and again and again. So we have um, this business model where a significant portion of our turnover is repeat sales. So I know... The lifetime value of my customer, for example, is way more than the, the, the value of the first order because they just, you know, if you make a good product, they keep coming back. Yeah. How have you how, how have you navigated that? Because if this is you come to us, you fix the problem. And at the same time, your your problem is finding new people. I, I'm like, how, how have you navigated that problem? Because when, when I put those two things together, it, it sounds to me like it's not that straightforward. Yeah, you're, you've hit the nail on the head. We actually solved the problem. And so, you know, repeat customers aren't to be had, really. Now, there is one thing that works in our favor, which is that people do need reminders. And we finally mm. figured out an offering to provide them these reminders. And it's a subscription. And they mm. pay less than a dollar a day and they get like 17 live classes a week it's kind of unheard of it's a crazy good value um but it that is the only part of our business that mm. has eat uh right. customers the original courses people usually take once although it would be good for them to take even the basic courses in more than one format maybe twice or thrice but then that's it you know yeah. So it is the challenge. Now, on the flip side, back pain is the number one cause of global disability. Mm. There is no shortage of people with back pain, you know. <laughs> that's very <laughs> true. So that's, if we could get the word out enough, mm. we should flood it. You know, when my daughter first went to med school and she had been a teacher for us, and um, she was in the segment about physical medicine and rehab. And she called me. She said, Mom, people should be banging down your door. Um, because she was familiar with the sophistication with which yeah, we yeah. approach the problem. And then by comparison, there really isn't very much in the toolkit of conservative medicine or alternative medicine that actually works. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That was so yeah, so, you know, we need to get the word out, but there are plenty of people who need this. So, mm. we so far, we've kept afloat, and whatever excess revenue we earn, we've put into things like developing wearables to help people learn still better. Mm. We're not very good at monetizing things and doing all the business part around the Good enough, we stay afloat. So we're yeah. still here. Through COVID, through all kinds of curveballs. And um, hey, that, that, that's an index of, you know, yeah, no, yeah. no marketing gumption, but still afloat. Which is always a good testimony, I think, uh, especially as your company is growing as well organically. 
uh, which sometimes is a nicer way to do it, I think. So what does, um, what does the future look like for you guys? What does more look like? I mean, you've talked about this trial. Uh, is there anything else on the horizon or are you just focusing on that? No, that actually is a very big deal for us because we expect to be written up extensively. This is, mm. you know, the top universities in the world. So um, to have someone who is the chief of this specialty uh, be interested enough to do, to be the principal investigator uh, is already unusual. Mm. You know, it's not every day that some alternative method out, out of the mainstream gets that kind of yeah. attention. Um, so that's a big deal. The other thing is we have discovered other areas of benefit. You know, we started with back pain, working the root of back pain, but posture turns out to be extremely important for mental health as well. There's an increasing amount of research coming out showing that it is harder to be depressed. It's harder to be anxious with uh, open upper body posture than mm -hmm. fMRI studies and the uh, flash anxiety provoking images on a screen. And depending on your posture, it's easier or harder to be triggered. Yeah. Your That's brain. That's really fascinating. It really is. And it makes sense that there would be a posture mental health connection. If we look yeah, at animals, you know, mm. you know, the way you know how an animal is feeling is mm. through its posture. So why wouldn't we as human animals have that same connection? And so there's, we are starting to explore. We've just created a course. It's actually going to be called Empowerment of Women Through Posture. Mm -hmm. uh, where we are able to teach basic posture principles, not to get rid of back pain, but to shore up your inner leader, to shore up your, yeah. uh, your best self, yeah? yeah, confident, relaxed uh, self through yeah. posture. Fantastic. Yeah, there's that virtuous cycle, isn't there, between, um, I remember writing it down on a piece of paper once, I just remember writing the word smile and drawing an arrow to the word saying feel happy and then a, an arrow back, feel happy, you smile. And what kickstarts it? Do you feel happy and then smile or do you smile and start to cause yourself to feel a little bit happier? There, that was an early piece of research too, where they actually stuck a pencil between people's teeth. Mm. Force a grimace and then demonstrating that that elevates mood. <laughs> we as humans are a little uncertain about how we feel. We're not mm. very sure about how we feel. And we scan our bodies and faces for clues about mm. how we are feeling. And if you discover that your mouth is in the shape of a smile, your brain concludes that you are happy. And that in turn creates happiness. Mm. And it's also true for body postures. So we are using that. You know, there is early work about higher testosterone levels and lower cortisone levels with open arm posture and such. But this could be much more granular. And we have 
long experience working with how mm. to affect posture changes. We've used it for back pain and we've seen that it works for neck pain and foot problems and all kinds of musculoskeletal things. But along the way, we've also noticed that students have been telling us they feel more confident, they feel yeah, more yeah. energetic, they are just generally more vibrant in their yeah. life. And so, so now we're starting to collect that observation and use similar techniques to help in this emotional health direction. It's very exciting. Wow. Yeah, it sounds fascinating. Sounds fascinating. Right. Esther, listen, a slight change of tact. Um, we're going to do the question box now. So this <laughs> is the random question that uh, everybody, when they come on the show, they dread. For some reason, I don't know why. I, f I find it quite exciting. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's just really funny. So you're going to tell me when to stop uh, as I flick through the cards. Wherever we stop, that's the question we're going to ask. That's the only rule. Here we go. Yes, that's the one I want. Right that there. one there? Okay. Yes. That's exactly so, the one right If, uh, let me read the question. Let me just get my head around this. It's a long question. Oh, okay. Okay. So, if you were in a city and had to choose between a good meal and a bad hotel or a bad meal and a good hotel, which would you prefer? Definitely the good meal. <laughs> <laughs> it's their modulo, the the the. Bad hotel doesn't have cockroaches and so on, but that's the way I've always <laughs> traveled. I travel all over the world and I always travel modestly with rooms and totally splurge on food. On food. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny. Uh, you see, my response to that question is, why can't I have a good meal and a good hotel? Hotel. There we go. <laughs> I just I, I struggle with questions like that. What do you mean I can't have both? Uh, I want my cake and I want to eat it. Why can't I? What's wrong with you people? Uh, <laughs> I figure so if this is a destination I'm interested in, I'm going to spend extremely little time at that hotel. Absolutely. And about eating yeah. those. Just meals, among other things. So yeah, I'm with you. I I travel a lot, and I I I I've been in five star hotels, and yes, they're nice, but it's it's neither here nor there. I'm quite happy to spend the night in, you know, a Holiday Inn as long as the bed's clean, because you're gonna go in there, you're gonna go to sleep, right? Is it a clean bed with a nice pillow? Yes or no? That's all I need. And in fact, there was a chain of hotels in England that did really well called the Premier Inn. On the basis of that, we're going to be cheap, but we're going to be clean and you're going to get a good night's sleep. But there's no fancy nonsense. And you're like, I don't need that. And they do really, really well. And so I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, yeah as long as I've got a clean bed, I'm, I'm happy. I'm a happy man. <laughs> the bathrooms are important too. Yeah, clean even that, as, long, as long as there's a shower, I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's some base level of hygiene, I'm okay. Uh, so Traveling in in uh, places like uh, Village India mm. and uh, Thailand and Africa and Ecuador, so you know cleanliness in the bathrooms isn't a given. So <laughs> it's very true, <laughs> very true. What's the best place you visited on on Earth? If you if you were just like if there's one only one place that you could go back to again, where would it be? Oh wow, I would like to go back to Burkina Faso. Okay. In, it used to be called Upper Volta. It's right under the yeah. Sahara. 
mm-hmm. inland West Africa. And that was just an eye-opening experience for me. You know, mm. people have very, very little, and it makes the bonds between people all the more important. Yeah. They don't have private property to to protect mm-hmm. and to create a lot of social layers around protecting. So people can mm. be very open. Uh, there's nothing to lose. Mm. And that very, very profound for me. Yeah, it's um, Burkina Faso is a beautiful part of the world. My friend, a uh, very good friend of mine, does some charity work over there. And every year he goes over and, and, and builds stuff over there, which is great. And in fact, tonight um, I was having dinner uh, with a friend of mine from the DRC, from the Congo. And yeah. we've, uh, we've been working, not we personally, I mean, you know, he um, in that area of the Congo where he is, 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 is built a hospital, uh, you know, oh. and they've got thousands think- of amazing stories. And you just kind of think, and he was, he was saying to me, he said, you know what? He said, whenever you go and buy a coffee uh, from Starbucks and it's five bucks, he said, that can feed a family for weeks and you know it puts some kind of context in the the amount of money we spend on trivial things people might argue coffee is not trivial uh but do you know what i mean it's it's really interesting isn't it when you when you do go to places like this in the world and you see what actually to me seems not an awful lot goes an incredibly long way and, and does some incredible things a friend is very brief. That's an area where there's a lot of mm-hmm. strife. Yeah, I has did yeah, twenty I, year war. Yeah, Burkina Faso mm. right now because of that, it's become much more dangerous. Yeah, it has. but DRC is even more so. It's like a lot of these places are very difficult to visit now. Yeah, yeah, they are, and trying to get charity and aid into them is not always straightforward. But we seem to be doing okay, and. Um, yeah, I, I just love the bones off this guy. He's been, he's been staying at my house for the last 10 days. He's been, uh, we brought him over to the UK. And yeah, just what a legend he is. And so uh, I was just intrigued when you said Burkino Faso and the work that was going on over there. I'm like, yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. Esther, listen, this has been a fascinating conversation, one which I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. Likewise. Um, if I want to find out more about the course, the wearables, the tech, if I'm sitting here in my chair going, I think I need to sort my alignment and posture out. Uh, how do I get hold of you? What's the best place for me to start? The best place by far is our website. And it has a difficult spelling, Go Play Method. You've got it there um, on your uh, webcast, but it's spelled G O K h a l e method.com mm-hmm. and that's where we have free workshops for online for the public we have all our teachers around the world offer free workshops in their localities so that's the best place to find it all fantastic the goclaymethod.com we will of course link to that in the show notes goclay pronounced spelt gok hail uh, as we were saying the here yeah. in the um, and so, yeah, fantastic. Uh, so do jump on that. Like I said, we will link to that in the show notes as well. So uh, Esther, listen, thank you so much for coming on. It has been a real blast. I, I feel like I've learned a lot uh, and I'm I'm inspired by your story and what you've been through, what you're going through 
to try and get this uh, method out there and to help people with with uh, like me that sit in very awkward positions. Uh, but it's been it's been a real honour. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Thank you so much. So, what a fantastic conversation that was. Huge thanks again to Esther for joining me today. And also a big shout out to today's show sponsor, Orion Media. If you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. And along with Esther's link, we will also link to them on the website as well. And if you're not sure, just head to pushtobemore.com everything will be on there now be sure to follow the push to be more podcast wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and i don't want you to miss any of them and in case no one has told you yet today you are awesome yes you are absolutely awesome created awesome it's just a burden you have to bear esther has to bear it i've got to bear it and you have got to bear it as well now push to be more is produced by orion media you can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app the team that makes this show possible is sadaf bainon estella robin and tanya hutzelak our theme music was written by josh edmondson and as i mentioned the show notes the transcript everything the links they're all on the website push to be more where coincidentally you can also sign up for the free newsletter now that's it from me that's it from esther thank you so much for joining us have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world i'll see you next time bye for now